You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode number 233. Andrew Johnson, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So, Jason, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about Andrew Johnson's early life and the beginning of his foray into politics. And at this point, we are looking at Andrew Johnson being in the Senate, but he doesn't last in the Senate very long during his first tenure, because in March of 1862, President Lincoln says, hey, you know what? You're doing such a good job. I think you should be the military governor of Tennessee. And Johnson's like, thanks, buddy. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, I'm sure he was happily, happy to go back to Tennessee. Uh, hadn't been able to go back for a little while. But so there was a lot of conflicting discussion about basically government, like municipal government. What happens once, you know, the country is in a civil war? What happens, you know, if, so you're, you're a state and then we have this new country formed with the Confederate States of America. So now you've got a whole different regime change and then they get defeated and the union troops come into your town and then you have to decide well are we gonna change our government in one way or the other so basically there's chaos i guess you could say and lincoln basically says okay look we're going to have a military governor they're going to be over some of these different regions johnson specifically uh is going to get you know nominated through the senate and everything like that um gets the the rank of brigadier general and becomes the uh, military governor because of that happening the confederates are like oh really you're going to be the military governor no problem we'll just go ahead and steal your land and all your slaves and we'll make your house into a hospital that'll show you doesn't it seem like that's that's kind of like the mo during the civil war i mean that's pretty effective if you ask me yeah you tick us off we're going to turn your house into a hospital and your yard into a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, get this, Ben. Lincoln, in January 1863, issues the Emancipation Proclamation. I guess that's actually when it goes into effect, right? Right. And all of the slaves in Confederate-held areas are free. Well, this is for, you know, Confederate-held areas. And Tennessee... You're exempt because Andrew Johnson. So thanks, buddy. Wow. Yeah. So he's like, you know what? Um, I don't know about African-Americans if they should be in the Union Army, but maybe they can do some menial tasks. So why don't you do that? So 
Get this. He succeeds in recruiting 20,000 African-Americans to serve in the Union Army. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite story, my favorite vice presidential story ever. Ben, would you like to do the honors? Which part of it? Because first, we'll go into this. Hannibal Hamlin is the vice president under Lincoln. And... Hannibal Hamlin's like, well, he did a good job, and you know, he he was willing to do it again, but Lincoln and his political strategists are like, yeah, you're you're not gonna go very far with him. So uh, how about Andrew Johnson instead for 1864? How about he's your vice president? Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah, and so they actually form a whole new party because, let's face it, we're unifying everybody, right? We're about to win this war. Let's let's create a new party. I'll call it the National Union Party. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you feel like being an arrogant know-it-all at the next party, you can say that Lincoln was actually elected as the National Union Party candidate in 1864. But anyway. Don't do that. You'll lose friends. You'll, you'll lose tons of friends. But what you need to know is Johnson becomes the running mate because let's face it hamlin like ben said he's from the north he's not going to do anything for you in the south so johnson will yeah and johnson actually goes out and like kind of actively campaigns not like we would see it now because you know it was much different at that point but he went out and gave a bunch of speeches in like tennessee kentucky ohio indiana uh he really helped to make uh, some of that civil government stuff we were talking about earlier, he helped bring some of that about and instituted some things there. And basically it endeared some people to him in that way. Uh, so Johnson really picks up a lot of support during his vice presidential campaign and uh, helps win through the war and help wins through the election. And he becomes the vice president-elect. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because Tennessee, he they win Tennessee, which is kind of crazy, right? Because Tennessee, uh-huh. um, were they in the Union at this point? Well, kind of, but not really, because Congress is like, no, uh, your votes don't count Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> but they win anyway, so no big deal. So Johnson starts traveling to Washington to get sworn in because people are like, Johnson, you got to be here. So he's he's coming. He's not feeling too well. And they have a party in his honor. And he's like, I am going to get wasted. <laughs> so he, he drinks a lot. And he's hungover on Inauguration Day. And he's not feeling very well. And he's hanging out in the vice president's chambers there at the Capitol, where he's talking to his predecessor, Hannibal Hamlin. He's like, hey, Hannibal, give me some whiskey. And (laughs) Hamlin's like, here you go, bud. Yeah, so Johnson is just a mess. Uh, He's drunk, and he's probably nervous and maybe a little sick, who knows. And uh, so he gets some whiskey, he gets drunk, and he goes out and basically rambles on while you know president lincoln while all of congress while dignitaries are there and 
there are certain points where they're not even 100% certain what he said. It's just kind of, you know, he, he's incoherently speaking here and he, you know, talks for a minute and then stops there. And Hamlin's like, uh, okay, we just got to get this going. We got to swear, swear him in real, real fast. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, after that, Lincoln goes ahead and gives his second inaugural address and stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's quite the story, Jason. Yeah. I like the story that Hannibal Hamlin didn't want to be done and he was kind of envious. And so he intentionally got him drunk, but that's just, that's just my guess. Yeah. It didn't happen. He's like, I'm going to, I like being a cook. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, these are not inside jokes, ladies and gentlemen, these are true stories that if you listen to the podcast, you would know. So true. you all get it, right? Yeah. 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 So anyway, Johnson's like, okay, yeah, vice president, they don't really do anything. So I'm going to go back to Tennessee and uh, try to get my family back and, you know, clean up the house because it's been a hospital. And um, word gets out that Grant had just captured Richmond. And he's like, maybe I should stay in Washington. So that's what he does. So... April 14th rolls around, and this is the first time that Lincoln and Johnson are going to get together since the inauguration. And President Lincoln that night goes to Ford Theater, gets shot and uh, mortally wounded by John Wilkes Booth. And so this is the same night that there's a conspiracy, you know, to assassinate not only Lincoln, but also Johnson and uh, Seward and you know, Johnson just runs away and doesn't even uh, uh, get attacked. He basically, his attacker got drunk uh, and probably bailed out out of fear or something like that. So they're not really 100% certain what happened. But what we need to know is that Andrew Johnson does not die. President Lincoln does die. And therefore, uh, Johnson is the new president. So this is a case of where drinking won't kill you. It'll actually save your life. Yeah. Go figure. Something like that. I mean, it can be other people who are drinking. Uh, Anyway, uh, not to make light on that, because you can imagine how horrible uh, this whole thing was. And Johnson said um, about the president's killer, they shall suffer for this. They shall suffer for this. So he's pretty much like, yeah, I know it's probably somebody from the South, and I'm going to get him. So he gets sworn in a couple hours after Lincoln perishes and uh, Salmon P. Chase swears him in. And it was a dignified swearing in and um, just uh, an hour or so after he was sworn in, uh, he conducts his first cabinet meeting. So Lincoln dies around 7, is sworn in somewhere around 10 or 11, and by noon he's meeting with the cabinet and he's saying, hey gang, uh, you're sticking around because I'm not going to do anything with you. Your jobs are secure and let's go get them. Let's go get the, the bad, nasty people who killed the president. So that's what he does. And, uh, he permits the execution. This is a, a pretty bold step, but he permits the execution of Mary Surratt. And if you know anything about her story, um, she was pretty much, friends with people who were going to uh, be held responsible for the president's death. So uh, she's killed on July 7th, 1865. And you got Andy Johnson to thank for that. 
so next comes Reconstruction after the Civil War. And this is, there's so much we could talk about with Reconstruction, but we're not going to get too, too deep into it. Just know that Andrew Johnson, well, first of all, he has three goals. The first goal is to make sure that the states that have gone away are restored quickly. And, you know, basically, they never really left the Union. Come on, they should be recognized as loyal citizens and, you know, brought back into the fold. So this is um, his first priority. His second priority is to uh, make sure that the political power in the South is kind of spread out, that not just the wealthy folks have it. And, uh, you know, he he doesn't want it to happen that the freedmen, you know, the, those former slaves, would vote against him and his party. And uh, his third idea or priority was to make sure that the election in 1868 would go his way. He wanted to win because no one who had ever succeeded a president who died had been able to get another term by themselves up to that point. So uh, Andrew Johnson really has a lot of different ideas than the Republicans in Congress, and this kind of makes for a difficult time with Reconstruction. Uh, he's much more apologetic um, to the South and you know, wants to kind of you know, give a lot of people an easy way out, whereas much of the Republican uh, Congress wants to kind of you know, give it to him wants to make them pay for what they did and you know maybe we'll help them but we're also going to make them feel real bad about it while we're at it so this really um comes to a head with his relations with um secretary of war edwin stanton because johnson was thinking you know what the stanton guy he's pretty hard-headed and he's difficult so i'm gonna fire him but Congress is like, hey, whoa, 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 wait, buddy. You can't just fire a cabinet member like that. And Johnson's like, hmm, I think I can. <laughs> and and so you got this going back and forth of, okay, I really would like to get rid of Stanton. And Congress is like, no, everybody's pulling for Stanton except Johnson. And Johnson's like, I'm going to suspend the guy and appoint Grant in the interim to be my guy in charge of the war department. And Congress is like, um, no, sir, you have violated the tenure of office act. And Grant's like, dude, Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to step aside. No problem. And then here comes Stanton again, because he's like, here I am. I'm your man. And Johnson's like, no, uh, Lorenzo Thomas, he's going to, step in so stan's like no dude i'm i'm stan this is my thing and congress is like you can't do that president because we've made these rules that have said there's a tenure of office deal you can't just fire cabinet members congress has something to say about it well what it really boils down to is congressional republicans did not like andrew johnson He's not handling things with Reconstruction like Abraham Lincoln would have, and we want him out. There. I just simplified the whole <laughs> thing for you. It's actually a lot more complicated than that, but do know that Congress, not a big fan of Johnson, and so they impeach him. 
Yeah, and his impeachment trial begins in the Senate and lasts about three months. And remember that impeachment is basically just finding out if someone did something wrong, essentially, um, and that, and then you you know you impeach them by doing that or by finding that out. But then uh, there's still another another step to remove them. So just because someone's impeached, it, it's it's I know it's hard to fathom. Uh, impeachment doesn't mean necessarily removed from office or removed from a position. Uh, he ends up maneuvering around and gains an acquittal, even though he was impeached. So basically, he was found guilty, but he ends up um, being acquitted. And he says, you know, I won't interfere with any of these people's reconstruction efforts. And um, I'm, I'll be nice to the moderates. I'll be nice to the Republicans. I'll be nice to everybody, I promise. And he makes a bunch of promises to everybody. And uh, basically, he gets an acquittal. But a lot of people were like, well, you know, we would remove him. But if if he's gone, this guy named Wade from Ohio, he's a senator, uh, he gets to come in and be the president. And we don't want him because he supports things like crazy things like women's suffrage. And yeah, he, you don't want that. Um, there's a, a dripping sarcasm there, of course, in my voice. <laughs> So really the rest of the presidency for Andrew Johnson was that he basically thought that poor white people needed to be protected and African-Americans not so much. So the legacy of President Andrew Johnson's tenure in office are not characterized by a lot of love from um, African-Americans or northern white people they're mainly he can be characterized as somebody who is very sympathetic to poor white people from the south that's a very very much a generalization but that is pretty much the legacy that he leaves behind so he does seek the 1868 nomination for the democratic party and he's trying to do that whole thing of you know i'm part of the national union party and we need to all come back together and love one another and people didn't buy it so u.s grant you know pretty much kicked his butt in that election and uh his legacy isn't seen as a, a very good one as far as being president but um there was really no love loss between him and grant if you think recent party politics have been um backbiting and horrible well johnson holds this big reception on his last full day in office and grant's like i'm not going to that and i'm not going to ride in the same carriage (laughs) as johnson on inauguration day and you know seward the secretary stays like come on guys we can do this and andy johnson's like nope he finishes up some business in the Oval Office. Well, it wasn't the Oval Office, but, you know, Executive Mansion. He's doing his thing. And he goes for a new ride from the White House to the house of a friend. And uh, Grant is sworn in, and Johnson doesn't care. Right before the inauguration, uh, basically on Christmas Day, Andrew Johnson's like, you know what? Everybody in the South 
you're you're fine. You have amnesty now. Even Jefferson Davis. I know we didn't really get into it much before, but we'll go ahead. And uh, you know, also here's a bunch of other people we can pardon you too. Oh, and Samuel Mudd, the doctor who helped with uh, Booth John Wilkes Booth's broken leg, supposedly. You're also fine. You're pardoned as well. We don't care if you helped in the Lincoln assassination. Go ahead. And uh, you know, of course, that's controversial and in its own right, but. He, uh, he's the one who pardoned him. Nice going, Andy. So after he is done with the presidency, uh, he stays there in a couple weeks for Washington, and then he goes back to Greenville. And it had been a pretty long time since he was in Greenville. And the whole time he's on his way home, and especially in Tennessee, which is his home state, of course, um, he's honored. There's a bunch of parties and public celebrations. There's some places where they'd been really hostile to him during the civil war, but not anymore. He's back. He's home. Uh, they're there to welcome him with open arms. I mean, he, come on, he was just the president after all. So there's a lot of pomp and circumstance for Johnson. He's going home, which is crazy because his legacy now is not of a very strong president, but he actually wins election into the Senate in 1875 and he's welcomed into the Senate by many of the people who tried to impeach him. <laughs> so so Republicans were civil to him, but not really big fans of him. And um, the only thing that he really did as a senator was he lambasted uh, President Grant for using federal troops in support of Louisiana's Reconstruction government. You know, Grant and him didn't get along very well. Uh, even with him being a lowly senator. I say that halfway facetiously, but um, later that year, at the age of 66, Andrew Johnson passes away, and Grant said that he had the, quote, painful duty of announcing the death of the only surviving past president. Yeah, so he was buried with his body wrapped in an American flag. He had a copy of the U.S. Constitution placed under his head, and these are things he had asked for. So he's buried at Andrew Johnson National Cemetery, and his home and the tailor shop that was out in front of his home are part of the Andrew Johnson National Historic Site as well. Crazy stuff. Um, You know, very complicated presidency and everything before and after that as well. And not the easiest of times to be the president. Jason, what do you think? I mean, I think I would probably go down as the worst president as well if I came in in one of the hardest times in our country's history. Yeah, it's rough enough becoming president when you're not elected to that position, but then also being from a state that is in rebellion, (laughs) effectively, uh, to that very government. So, you know, you can say he did the best with what he had, but then... Again, he was a slave owner, and he got some special favors done um, that promoted slavery uh, during his tenure. So not everybody's legacy is 100% positive. Yeah, definitely not. Well, hey, we want our legacy to be positive, and we want you to help us carry on our legacy, as well as the legacy of some old presidents, by wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. That's right. It's almost Christmas time. And uh, whether or not you celebrate Christmas, everybody can use a good Christmas sweater. That's right. We'll have a couple different designs for you to choose from. We're adding to our selection this year. You can check it out at electioncollege.com. But first, we recommend you head over to any of our social media channels. We'll post about it there first. 
Yeah, and if you're a big fan of Andrew Johnson, or if you can't stand Andrew Johnson, we would love to see that you love Election College. You can do that by heading over to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. We certainly appreciate all those five-star reviews coming in. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.